This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. I am a traveler on the worship road with the rest of you, trying to figure out what it means to be people who experience God through worship, through every aspect of our life uh, as worship, and then through the specifics of our worship times together, our worship times individually. Uh, If this series has been hard for you because you have a horrible voice, know that you're not alone. Uh, I have a horrible voice, and it's compounded by the fact that my wife has a fantastic voice. And so you see the, uh, the chasm in between. But really, worship's not about me. It's not about my voice. It's not about what I can do or what I can give or what you can do or what you can give. Worship is about God, what he can do and what he can give who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. Uh, We spent the last two weeks in our series talking about uh, what it looks like to have our lives be worship to God. Ron reminded us that we are created to worship. The very central purpose of why we came into being was to worship our Creator. And when we are living the lives that God has called us to live, when we're being the people that God invites us to be, uh, we are, in fact, worshiping God. We learned last week that when we serve other people because we love them genuinely and deeply and because we love God, we are worshiping our Creator through our actions, through the things that we do. So we've seen that worship is this broad thing that encompasses really every aspect of who we are in the broad strokes. And today we're going to look at worship uh, with a little fine, uh, fine-toothed comb, a little bit smaller. We're going to look at uh, worship in song and the things that that brings along with it. Uh, really what we're doing is we're looking at prayer because worship through song is simply a prayer that we pray together. When we sing things like, uh, God, I will worship you for who you are, we're stating truths that, God, I- I'm giving myself to you. We're praying that as a community. That's one of the gifts that we have in uh, songs that are written for us is it prays prayers uh, that people are praying around the world. We get to pray with them uh, through song. And so we're going to talk about— uh, it, the title of this is Spontaneous Versus Planned, but really we're talking about spontaneous worship in the midst of planned worship or and planned worship, uh, all of the encompassing pieces of that. So if you have uh, your bulletin, there's a little thing called New Life Notes inside. If you're a note taker, if you like writing things down, pull that out. You can follow along with me. Uh, my daughter, Madeline, is turning one next week. Yes, thank you. I'm excited too. Uh, yeah, she's turning one on Saturday. And uh, so she started to walk around. She has a handful of words, two or three, that she says over and over and over again. Uh, a number of months ago, I told you how excited I was that she said dad for the first time. Now she says dad and hi and some subset of dog that we can't really figure out exactly if that's what she's saying, but we think that's what it is. Uh, but Madeline started to walk uh, when she's holding on to things. And I get home from work most days, and Madeline is up against our sliding glass door because Maria's told her, Daddy's coming home. And, and so she, uh, I come around the corner, and I look over our little gate, and there's Maddie up against the door. And when she sees me, she has this spontaneous outburst of joy where she either says hi or dad, dad, or dog, one of the three words that she can say. Uh, and then she just shrieks with joy. And I love it. I can hear her through the closed door, uh, 10 feet away from the outside of our gate, and I love it. And so I duck down, and then I jump back up, and she shrieks again, and she's banging on the walls. And, oh, it warms my heart. It warms my heart. And, and when we talk about spontaneous worship, 
Uh, that's a big part of it. Spontaneous worship generally flows out of a moment of clarity uh, when we uh, begin to experience or understand something about God in our lives. When we realize how truly amazing God is, it overflows in this sense of spontaneous worship. And I was thinking recently how sad it would be if I came home and Maddie just said, what's up, you know, or hey. And maybe, maybe in 12 years that will be the case. Uh, but that, and that would break my heart. If I got home uh, from being away from my daughter and her big response to me was, hey, hi, how are you, Father? Nice to see you. No, I love this spontaneous overflow of emotion, this eruption that she just can't contain. And I think in the same way, God loves the spontaneous overflow of emotion that comes out of us when we just can't contain it anymore. When we've experienced something of who God is, his power, his grace, uh, his love, his mercy, his healing, and it just comes out of us and we just have to worship God. So we're going to talk about spontaneous worship, that eruption. uh, And we're also going to talk uh, about planned worship. Do you ever wonder why you come here and you expect that there will be a worship team playing songs? Uh, it's just a part of something we've come to expect on a Sunday morning. What is it about planned worship that is important to God? Uh, why do we have planned worship times? And what is our role in planned worship? And, and I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, it's not for all of you to be on the worship team. Uh, trust me, if you're anything like me, we don't want to be up here. That's the quickest way for us to shrink our church, I think, is for all of us to join the worship team. But maybe that is your place. But when we talk about planned worship, what is my individual role in coming into a community to worship God? What is it that God's calling me to do? And he is calling each of us uh, to do something. So we're going to talk about spontaneous uh, outbursts uh, of worship towards God and then planned worship. Uh, And if you're here today and you don't have a a faith background, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, you're just checking this stuff out, Uh, you really get an an inside view into uh, why do these Christians do these things that seem somewhat strange? Uh, Why are some people closing their eyes? Why are some people putting their hands together? Why are we singing these songs as a group? Uh, Why are we raising our hands? What is it about worship? What is it about God that would draw this group of people into this experience? So uh, whether you're here today and you've been a Christian your whole life, or you're here today just checking God out, trying to see who this God is, uh, I believe that God has something for you. I believe that God wants to speak into your life. So I'm going to pray And then we're going to jump into uh, some really exciting scripture in the Old Testament. So get ready. Uh, Join me in prayer, though. Lord, would you speak clearly to us? Would you help us know what it means to be people who have an outpouring uh, of worship towards you, who experience you in such a passionate way that it would draw us to worship, to shout, to dance, uh, to, to, to engage with you in very personal, very passionate ways? Lord, would you show us what it means that you have called people in the Christian community uh, around the world throughout the years to worship you in planned worship settings? What does that bring to worship? Would you speak into our hearts? Would you show us? Ultimately, Lord, would you help us to know how to love you better uh, and through that to love those around us better? Amen. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine uh, told me about a story in Second Samuel chapter 6, and that's where we're going to be today because this story, uh, I love it. I love the Old Testament. When I was young, I didn't really get a whole lot out of it. I didn't think it was that fun. But as an adult, when I started to read the Old Testament, I mean, there is intrigue, 
there is excitement, there is passion, there is joy throughout the Bible. And I love some of these scriptures in the Old Testament, specifically having to do with a guy named King David. And that's who we're talking about today. Uh, And the Bible says that David was uh, a man after God's own heart. He was known as the greatest king that ever reigned over the Jewish people and a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't because David was perfect. Uh, Far from it. Uh, If we had to go and tell our mom some of the things that David did, uh, we would turn red. We would be embarrassed. David's life kind of reads uh, as an action-adventure slash uh, rated R, sexual, all sorts of weird stuff in his life. And it wasn't that he was perfect, but it was that David was passionate about God. David was passionate about the things of God. David was quick to seek forgiveness when he messed up, and he was quick to come back to God. And uh, in this story that we're going to look at in a minute, uh, David is bringing up uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which had in it, among other things, the Ten Commandments of God, which took all of the rules of the Bible and put them into ten laws from God. So this is a huge deal. He's taking it to a place that he has prepared for God. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, we pick up, It says, David, uh, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And Michael was the previous, the old king's daughter and was also David's wife. So uh, you just need to know that as we're going on. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord— she despised him in her heart. Now, the king would normally wear some sort of royal robes to signify that he was the king. And so it's a little bit odd that David's wearing this linen ephod, which is kind of like a linen robe, a light linen covering. Uh, Although the priests would wear that, so it's not totally uh, uncommon. But David's wearing this linen robe, and that's not a huge deal. But then he begins to have this uh, worship experience where God is drawing him in. The moving of the ark is so powerful to him that he begins to worship and praise God. He begins to leap and dance before the Lord wearing a linen ephod. Uh, Anyone who wears linen clothes knows that they're light, that they flow. And we need to know that going on. Uh, So it says in verse 20, When David returned home to bless his household, so he's just had this great worship experience, And when he returned home to bless his household, his wife, Michael, who was the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and his servants as any vulgar fellow would. That word disrobing literally means that he uncovered himself, that he exposed himself. I know. Uh, Don't get embarrassed. Don't turn. Just keep your eyes up here. but, but this is what's happening. David has this worship experience, and he's jumping before God, and he's worshiping God. His hands are moving. He's clapping, uh, and he's exposing himself. And David says to Michael in verse 21, uh, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house, and he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord, verse 22, and I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but in the eyes of these slave girls that you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Not because he was perfect by any means. He was a man after God's own heart because he had passion. And God is calling people who have passion for him. Because he didn't care what other people thought. When God called him to worship, he had to worship. He had to give himself to God. And I think that's what God wants for us. Minus the exposing part. 
I think God wants us to be people of passion, people who would worship him and not be ashamed of it, people who would, when God calls us, would just be so excited that we need to express ourselves in worship just like David did without fear of what other people will think. I think one of the limiting factors that we have is not that God doesn't put passion inside of us or call us to be passionate people. It's that we wonder what are other people going to think if we actually express ourselves to God. But David didn't care. He says, you know what? I will become even more undignified than this because it's not about what you think. It's not about what they think. It's about me being honest with who God is and who I am as I worship him. Uh, A number of years ago, I was with a church in Southern California on a big houseboat trip. There were uh, about 17 houseboats, maybe 150 college-age students on this trip. And uh, it was a great time, wakeboarding, water skiing, having a really fun time. Uh, There was one girl on the trip, though, that just did not want to be there. I mean, she was fighting it the whole way. And so about day four, I I just said, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? And I sat down with her, and she, uh, she began to tell me why she was there. Uh, She said, you know, I snuck out of my house. I went to a party. I got drunk. I got caught. My parents forced me. They said, you can either be grounded for the month or go to church camp. Those are your two options, Uh, which you got to love that. You know, as a youth pastor, when when parents send their kids as a punishment, it uh, (laughs) sets you up, sets you up well. Uh, So she was just not happy at all. She did not want to be there. Uh, But in the midst of it, despite her best efforts, it was clear that God was doing something in her life. God was, was moving. And so we began to talk. I began to ask her some questions about her faith, about who she thought God was and what God was doing. And throughout the course of that night, she began to realize, wow, God is real. God is moving in my life. And that night she gave her life to the Lord. And it was this, an amazing moment. This transformation of a girl who was just angry uh, and mad at life, mad at her parents, not understanding why she was there, to come to a place where she knew there was a God who created her, who loved her, who knew her, who wanted to have a relationship with her. It just, it changed her life. It was powerful. The next morning we got up and she said, well, hey, we're at a lake. Why don't I get baptized? I said, that's a great idea. Uh, And so I baptized her that morning in the water and she was baptized in front of this whole group. And later that day, uh, I wanted to get away for a few minutes just to reflect on what was happening. And they had those little metal boats with the engines on the back and they gave me one, uh, which probably wasn't a good idea, but they did anyway. Uh, And so I took this boat out, and it was fantastic. I'm cruising on Lake Shasta, cruising across the lake, and I get across the lake and begin to reflect on what God had just done. And I was was, uh, blown away. I had an overflow of an emotion just to praise God and thank God. So I began to sing, God, you're so awesome, and just sing worship songs. My hands went up in the air, my eyes were closed, and and the the waves were moving me, so I'm doing something like this, you know, uh, like one of those 80s Christian revivals. We're just cruising back and forth, and I'm worshiping and singing, and all of a sudden I hear a boat coming towards me, and I open my eyes, and there's a speedboat racing across the lake to me, and as they get closer, it's a family of four who I don't know. They're not part of our group, and they pull up right next to me, and the husband says, are you okay? Uh, (laughs) I said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, you've been waving your hands for the last 15 minutes in the air. So we came over to tow you back in. <laughs> I said, oh, that. Uh, I said, you know, I was, I, was, I was singing to God. What are you going to say? I was singing to God. And they said, okay, sounds good. And they took off on their way. I started that engine back up and I went back into short. 
One of the limiting factors we have would be embarrassment. What are other people going to think? But God does not want us to be embarrassed. When we experience God, he wants us to let it just come out, to pour out before him. I wasn't embarrassed because I wasn't worshiping for other people to see. I was worshiping God. So what does that look like in our lives? Uh, Ron's actually going to talk about some personal times of worship next week and help us out with that. But I want to talk quickly about what that can look like because it looks different depending on the setting you're in. For example, if you're in your office or in your office uh, building and you have this passionate experience with God, uh, I would not suggest that you put on a linen ephod and begin to dance around. Uh, You will get fired. I work in a church and I would probably get fired. Uh, Let's just be honest. So our situation uh, dictates how much we can be free with our worship. But what could we do? Well, we could take a break for a minute and praise God. Thank God for what he's doing. Uh, We could take a walk outside and sing. You can throw your hands in the air. No one's going to get mad at you. They might actually come over and see if you want help, and then they can join in the worship with you. Uh, We can take a walk. We can go sit in our car, turn on some music, and sing so that people think that it's just the radio. You know, you can do whatever you want to do, uh, but you need to be aware that our our situation dictates how spontaneous we can be in our worship. Uh, When you're by yourself, you have a ton of freedom. Sing, dance, paint, write, uh, pray, talk, do whatever you want to do. Now, experience God the way that he's calling you to. Uh, but actually, our spontaneous worship even flows into our church service, and that's what Justin was talking about uh, a little bit. Do you ever wonder when you come into church why some people are raising their hands or why some people are clapping? Uh, we do it because in the moment, at least at the core, at the purest sense, in that moment, it's not enough just to sing to God. We want to incorporate other parts, for better or for worse. We want to have some rhythm. We want to clap. We want to raise our hands in the air. And so people say, I just need to express God uh, even more than through my words. Do you ever wonder why we clap at the end of a song? Uh, I don't think there's something that says applause up on the screen. Uh, We're not singing or we're not clapping for the worship team. They know they're talented. They don't need us to tell them. Uh, So why do we clap at the end of a song? At the core, I believe we clap at the end of a song because we don't want our worship of God to end just because the song happens to be over. And so we keep worshiping by clapping. Uh, These are the spontaneous expressions that we can have as we worship together. Uh, I will make one little uh, caveat to that, one little side note. When we worship as a community, we need to be aware that, uh, or mindful that our worship does not inhibit someone else's worship. For example, if I'm worshiping and I just need to express myself and I decide I should fling my hands open, I should make sure there's not someone on my right and my left who I'm going to hit in the face, because then my worship is is inhibiting their worship. Uh, Or if I feel like dancing and I decide I'm going to do the robot for the Lord, you know, uh, That would inhibit a lot of your worship. And so I don't do that in a worship service. Does that make sense? We need to make sure that our spontaneous overflow of uh, worship does not hinder someone else from worshiping God when we're in a communal worship setting. Enough said? So maybe let's not do laps during worship service. That would be a little uh, interesting, a little odd, a little unique, I should say. If spontaneous worship flows out of feelings of joy, gratitude, amazement, thankfulness, passion towards God, then planned worship is our response to God regardless of our feelings in the moment. If spontaneous worship is this overflow, then planned worship is our response to who God is uh, regardless of our feelings in the moment. I am an emotion-driven guy, and that's a really good thing because it draws me into passionate times of worship. But left to my own devices, uh, I might only worship God when I feel like worshiping him. 
when I feel like he's doing something in my life, when I feel like he's uh, moving. But the reality is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God deserves our worship uh, regardless of our feelings in the moment. And that's where planned worship comes in. Uh, There's a great story in Ezra chapter 3 that talks about planned worship and the power of it in a worship service, the power of it as a community. Uh, But to understand what's happening in Ezra chapter 3, we have to know some of the background of the story. So the Jewish people have been taken to Babylon, into exile, and they've been in exile for a long time. During their exile, their temple, the temple of God, was destroyed. There's a king, a Persian king, who God says, release the people. Send them back to Jerusalem. Let them rebuild the temple. And that's where we pick up in Ezra chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. And it should be up on the screen in just one minute. Ezra 3 verse 10 says this, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments, which is just their robes, the priests in their robes, and with trumpets, and the Levites with cymbals, took their place to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, and this is what they said, He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. So this is a planned worship time. Uh, We've got the priests all gathered. Some have trumpets, some have cymbals, which is an interesting mix, if you're a musician, the the cymbals and the the trumpets playing together. But nonetheless, this is what they're doing. Uh, And all the people are gathered together. And it goes on to say, They gave great shouts of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept out loud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. So there's this mixture of emotion. Uh, The young Jewish people who were there are so excited they've been freed from captivity. They're excited to build God's house. But the old people remember what the temple was like. They remember why they were sent into exile, and they begin to weep. They begin to mourn the loss of the temple. Verse 13 goes on to say, No one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard from far away. So in this communal worship time, in this planned time of worship, there are people shouting for joy, and there are people weeping, but the one thing they have in common is they're all praising God. They're all singing, He is good. His love for Israel endures forever. The Bible's clear that sometimes our heart, our emotions can deceive us. It can actually take us away from the things that God wants for us. And one of the things that God wants for us is to worship Him all the time. Not because of who we are. Not because of what's going on in our lives, but because of who God is. The God who, uh, who captured your heart years ago or weeks ago or days ago Uh, who has done miraculous things in your life, is the same God even when tragedy strikes. The God that is loving and powerful, the creator of the universe, is that same God, whether you're on the highest peak emotionally or down in the depths of despair. And so planned worship calls us to worship God regardless of our feelings. I had a moment like this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was here on a Sunday morning getting ready for church, And I normally come into worship really excited, ready to go. But I had heard a few stories from some friends here that just got me sad. Uh, It was just, it's painful. Painful stuff happens in our lives. We're real people serving a real God, and as real people, painful things happen. And so they told me the story of what was going on, and I went and I sat down in a chair back in that corner uh, about five minutes before worship started, and I began to uh, just get lost in myself. Do you ever have those moments where you're just kind of wrapped up in what's going on in the moment? 
I was trying to figure out, God, why is this happening? Why would, why would you allow this? Where are you in their lives right now? Where's the hope that you promise? And as I was going through all these questions in my mind, uh, all of a sudden the worship band came up and started to play, and they called us into worship, and I stood up, and it was a song about God's power, about God's healing, about God's goodness. And I was called not to focus on myself, not to focus on my friend's situation, but to focus on the God who can heal, on the God who is powerful. I was called to worship him. So what are some things that we can do uh, to prepare ourselves for worship? Uh, I want to give you three ideas. Uh, some of them are, are personal ideas, a couple of, and some of them uh, have a scripture that really call us that we have to do it. So, uh, so know this, so hear this. Uh, the third one specifically is more of an idea, but I think it'd be helpful. But the first two uh, we need to be doing each week. Uh, the first thing we can do to prepare for worship is let go of our preconceived notions of what worship should be. Each of us has preferences, and that's okay. If I'm completely honest with you, there are worship songs that I don't really like. Uh, I don't. I know, it's like a pastor's sin to say that. But there are songs I don't like. Um, there might be songs that you don't like too. Uh, you might really like the lights. You might not like the lights. You might really like the volume. You might not like the volume. You might prefer one worship team over another worship team. That doesn't really matter. Those are our preferences, and those are okay. But we need to lay those down in order to worship God. Because worshiping God is not about our preferences. It's about who he is, what he's done. So we need to identify, yeah, I have things that I like in worship. And then let those down so that we don't have to focus on that. We can focus our energy on worshiping God. The next thing we need to do is prepare our hearts before we come into worship. And I'm going to tell you a hypothetical story because this has never happened to me personally. And you need to know that. This has never happened to me. Um, and I'm sure it's never happened to you. But hypothetically, uh, it's 8 o'clock uh, and your spouse or your roommate is not getting ready for church fast enough. Uh, or on the other side, they're getting ready for church too fast and they're nagging you to get ready faster. And, and so you get in the car and there's some tension. Words are exchanged uh, you both get heated, and then it goes quiet, and then you open the door, you come into church, get your name tag, shake a few hands, go and sit down in your chairs, and you're next to each other, but you're trying to push as far away from the other person as you can, and then the worship team starts, and we spend the first song thinking about how wrong that person was for whatever they did, and then we spend the second song thinking about maybe we had some role in that, and maybe we need to apologize. Oh yeah, that actually was my bad. Then we spend Bob's greeting uh, figuring out how we're going to apologize. And then we spend the greeting time actually apologizing. So I know this is hypothetical. This would never happen to us. Uh, but just think what happened. We just missed two worship songs. We missed some fantastic jokes from Bob. Uh, we, it's true. And we missed some time to engage with people in our community, to shake some hands, to say hello, to give a hug. Uh, why? Because we didn't prepare ourselves to come into worship. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, if you're coming to the altar to give a gift to the Lord or an offering to the Lord, and really that's what worship is, we're giving a gift to God that he deserves, and you realize that someone has something against you, go to that person, seek forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, offer forgiveness, restore that relationship before you come and give your offering to God. Part of preparing for worship means that we look at the relationships around us and we figure out if they're right before we come into worship God. It means that we're mindful of our spouse, of our friends, of our kids, before we get to church, so we don't have to spend the first 15 minutes making things right so that we can then worship God. 
And the first thing we can do, and this may be uh, simply an opinion, you can take it uh, or not, I think this might be the most difficult thing that we do, is come on time. I know, I know, I said it. Uh, At 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, we start worshiping the creator of the universe, a God so powerful that he spoke the world into being and so loving that he knows every hair on your head. Uh, I don't want to miss that. Do you want to miss that? I would actually get up 15 minutes earlier if it meant that I could make it to church on time so I could worship God. So we come on time. It will help us. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is entering into uh, Jerusalem for a major feast. And people begin to line the streets and they begin to praise him. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And while they're doing this, some of the religious leaders go to Jesus and they're angry and they say, make the people stop. Jesus says to them, if these people don't worship me, even the stones will cry out. Friends, creation is crying out to worship God, but I don't want the stones to have all the fun. I want us to take our rightful place and worship God. Does God need our worship? No. Does he call us to worship him for who he is? Absolutely. I want us to be people who experience this overflow of worship and people who come into planned worship ready to experience the creator, ready to bless him and praise him for who he is and what he has done. Like I said, maybe you're here today and uh, you don't have a relationship with God. You've never experienced this type of uh, relationship that I'm talking about that would draw you into worship. There's no better time than now to know God, to come into a relationship with him. The Bible says uh, that Jesus is actually knocking on the door of your life And if you just open the door, he'll come in. He'll make his home with you. He will be with you. Uh, He will have a relationship with you. And that's a great gift. So if you're here today, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you some space to do business with God. Uh, If you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, now could, would be the best time. Uh, There's no better time than the present to know the one who loves you so deeply. So join me, friends, and let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we want to worship you. Would you help us to get out of our own way? when it comes to worshiping you? Would you be stirring in us a passion that burns deep within inside each of us that just can't help but erupt in spontaneous times of worship? And Lord, would you prepare us as we come in to worship you in planned times of worship uh, that we would be ready to come before our creator and to give you everything that you deserve. And if you're here today as we continue to pray, Uh, and you've never come into a relationship with the Lord, but you want to, you can just pray something simple like this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you're calling me. Today I say yes. Would you show me what it means to walk with you every day of my life? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.